Hello, welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, as well as highly informed about something new. Hi, beautiful friends. Jackie Shea here. Thank you so much for joining us for so much healing fun. This week, I brought my friend, Annie Howard, filmmaker and editor at Hollywood Reporter, on to talk about narcolepsy with cataplexy. And you guys, it is so, so interesting. If you are a person feeling lonely and all of the quote-unquote weird things that make you totally fragile human, this episode is for you. We talk about what narcolepsy is, common misconceptions, symptoms, how to get diagnosed, and different ways to treat it. The weekly challenge is to take a few calming self-love baths, as many as you feel appropriate are for you. Follow me on Instagram at Jackie to get updates. That's right. I will probably post pictures of me in a bathtub. Um, Decent ones, you know. Uh, Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and share with your friends. Follow me at twosickandnaked.com for more good stuff. And I look forward to hearing from you and loving on you. And I'll see you over there. Hey guys, how's it going? Today I'm so excited because I have Annie Howard with me, who is from LA and a filmmaker and an editor at The Hollywood Reporter and diagnosed with narcolepsy with cataplexy. Hi Annie. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks for having me. So excited about this topic. Um, I know you're not so excited about this topic. Oh no, I'm so glad that you asked me to come and speak on it, obviously, but I... uh... I don't, I try to articulate myself like the least amount of possible about this to people. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out. Right. <laughs> I, I know. So some narcolepsy, um, stats, it's, it's what I've learned from you about narcolepsy is that it's not only like serious, but it's painful, can be very painful if you have the cataplexy part, right? Uh, it can be. Pain physically, it can be quite uncomfortable, both the narcolepsy and the cataplexy. So narcolepsy, the symptoms uh, are excessive daytime sleepiness, uh, cataplexy, but cataplexy is not in everybody with narcolepsy. It's just, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a sign that you could have narcolepsy but narcolepsy doesn't come with cataplexy. Okay. And then sleep disruption, which I find very surprising, and I'm sure a lot of people would find surprising, and then sleep paralysis and hallucinations. So those are the symptoms of narcolepsy. And at the same time, what I learned is that most people don't get diagnosed for like seven years. Most, they say, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's a much higher they estimate that a lot more people have narcolepsy than would ever than probably will ever know in their lifetime because, because they're getting misdiagnosed well you get misdiagnosed first off if it's coupled with other illnesses which many times it is for reasons we can we'll talk about um it's hard to to notice and then again uh you know it's like yeah it's 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 seen as f- I have experienced it as being quite a frivolous side effect of something going on in my life mm. by most doctors. Interesting. Yes. I read that it takes seeing like average, like seven doctors before you get the right diagnosis. That's probably how many I saw. Wow. Which is so fascinating to me because it seems like such an obvious um, disease or, or a problem. Like it's, it's like you're falling asleep during the day at times when most people aren't falling asleep. You can't, you know, and well, people think that you're lazy or on drugs or staying up too late or that it's a lot of self-inflicted 
reasons making you be that way. Wow. Okay. So tell us your story. When did it, when did it start for you? What were your symptoms and what took you to the doctor? Um, well, I've been told that it is a degenerative and progressive situation. Maybe not degenerative is the right word, but progressive. So it gets, it keeps getting more and more intense usually as time goes on. Um, when it started, I mean, that is still very kind of wishy-washy because this, some of the symptoms are so subtle. So the first time I ever ne- noticed something making me symptomatic, not sure. They think a lot, I've done research backwards into like lots of school children who get misdiagnosed with ADD or like who are underperformers in school or kids who have like depression at really young ages. It's because a lot of sleep doctors think it's because they're not sleeping through the night and because they have narcolepsy. So I don't know, you know, and I had, I struggled with some types of things like that. And so who knows really, but then there's another thing where I read a study about, um, it being triggered, like some thesis about it being an autoimmune disorder where it's triggered by a certain types of the flu. And they did a study in China when the wine flu was coming out, they vaccinated a lot of school children aged like 11 to 13. And they saw an overwhelming spike in narcolepsy rates of that population. Again, don't have the statistics in front of me, but it's like wildly increased. And I had the swine flu when I was like 21, 22. So that's like totally a possibility too, because I started getting really bad symptoms in my mid twenties. And by the time I was in my late twenties there, it was un. what's the word? I couldn't live with it like that. I couldn't live like that. Right. Debilitating. Debilitating. Yeah. Wow. So who knows really exactly when it started. And again, they don't know enough about narcolepsy to know like Yeah, they know very little. It's kind of surprising. Like, so I learned too, listening to a podcast that Harriet Tubman had narcolepsy. Oh, dang, girl. After she got hit in the head with a beat by one of her... owners with a with like a metal something she got hit in the head and yeah and she she got brain damage and it caused this narcolepsy but they say what they they don't know like anything about it but they say it's caused by two uh the loss of two brain chemicals um that are neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. involved in the regulation of sleep wake cycle yeah it's like so those are what you lose but the way but how you lose them is like what they still are hypothesizing on and there's a lot and i read this i'm sure where you got your research from is from up at stanford stanford is has the stanford sleep center or something i forget what it's called sorry guys we'll we'll refer you to the right name but (laughs) it's like the only place in the world that studies it basically and um on their website, they actually publish like medical papers so you can go in and like read them and see what they're studying about it. And that's where I learned about that swine flu thing and where I've learned about some other ideas. And it's nice because the hypotheses that are still like to be tested or theories or whatever they are, um, they're interesting because, and they are comforting sometimes too, because I relate to like different parts of them. Yeah. Well, sure. And I think such a big thing with different illnesses is that you just want to know that other people feel that way and that you're not crazy. And so when you first started seeing doctors, what were you complaining of? You were complaining of falling. I mean, I knew you Mm -hmm. in our mid twenties. That's when I met you. Mm -hmm. And 26, I was probably, yeah. And somewhere 
in there, like you'd come over because I was really sick with Lyme and you'd come over and hang out with me and you'd fall asleep. And I have, I have this really ridiculous problem where I have like extreme abandonment issues and like trauma. Oh, right. I forgot about the part B of why this was a situation <laughs> this was like a with problem. Jackie. This was like a problem for me because I have such severe abandonment issues and not, it's not as bad now as it was, thank God. But I like couldn't handle people falling asleep around me and I always needed to fall asleep first. So Annie would pass out and I would panic. (laughs) There's a great cycle we had going on. It's really awesome. So we were both sick and I had all this trauma bringing into it. So anyway, so this is what I noticed, but you weren't calling it narcolepsy yet. No. No. And I also noticed, we also noticed during that time that when you would laugh really hard, and, and it was just happening, by the way, right now, when Annie would laugh really hard, your body would kind of uh, go into paralysis. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, are those the things? I can't remember what your the trajectory was. Yeah, so basically it was like um, the narcolepsy obviously started hitting me. It started hitting me first um, where I would just – I would. it started – the first times I noticed it being a symptomatic problem was when I fell asleep at work, but this was when I was still living in New York. So that was – before so the narcolepsy went on like that for a few years manageable to a degree where it was like falling asleep at a good friend's house on her couch it's still not ideal but at least it's not like a lot of other places it could be right so it was still sort of in this like only time it was still in certain manageable situations and i also just thought like that i was really tired I I genuinely was like, I have sleep disorders. You know, I have, it's really hard for me to stay asleep through the night. I have have had a nightmare, like, disorder basically my entire life. Um, And I don't, I mean, I just genuinely, like, thought I needed to sleep. Right. And tried to make, tried to rearrange my life in a way where I could really take care, started to, like, really actively care for that. And what I noticed when I gave myself time to sleep, because I was also, I'm also like a very hard worker. It's like I work all day during the week and then I kind of like run a second entire career like on my weekends and on my nights. So it's like, I, I, I never had like a day where I could sleep indefinitely or like I never really gave myself that. So I wondered if I had done it to myself. You're just not sleeping enough. You're just not sleeping enough, you know? And then I started to give, to rearrange my life in a way where I was able to sleep and I, all that was, was I was just like way more tired all the time. Hmm. So I definitely need to sleep and have good solid sleep and naps are really important for narcoleptics, but it's, it's, you can also get something and I don't know the name of it, but it's when you like sleep too much and then it makes you want to sleep more and it's it right. like kind of hurts. It's like when you wake up and it kind of hurts Yeah, because totally. you like slept too much or too hard or like too well. Yeah, I know that feeling actually pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like you want to avoid that too because then that triggers like a whole other – then you need like 13 hours more sleep to feel better from that Wow. or something. So, yeah, it was the narcolepsy that started. What sent me to the doc (laughs) – then I started – when I started to first experience cataplexy, that was when I was living in L.A. And that is – it was truly terrifying. Um. 
And that's when I diagnosed myself with narcolepsy because when I found, I was just reading about different things. One of my girlfriends was like, yeah, you probably have uh, one of my, our, our mutual friend, Laura, I fell asleep at her house one day and she was like, yeah, well, you probably just have narcolepsy. And I was like, what? I hadn't even thought of it. Mm. And she was like, yeah, I heard it like actually comes on when you're like 27. I had like just turned 27 and she had like just said that to me. And I was like, what? Oh my God. So I went and looked it up. And then when I was looking up narcolepsy, I saw stuff about cataplexy and was like, what's this? And read the description and was like, holy F. (laughs) This is exactly what I'm experiencing where I've been thinking it's been happening to me. I've been not talking about it. People see it sometimes and I freak out. And, you know, I was thinking, I... I was Sorry, worried about second. um the fuck is that? Sorry. And that's okay. Okay. Um you were for, you were thinking about I was worried that I would have like MS or something. Like I really remember scary. that. And I was really really scared cuz I did not know what was happening to me. I totally remember yeah. all of this. And now. so I refused to go. Yeah, you I was like hung out with you and Laura around a lot around the time when I was coming into like terms of like or coming into like awareness of like what this could be I uh and yeah I was terrified of that part of it but then when I started reading about it and was comforted by the idea that it may just be cataplexy so that is when I first thought of maybe going to the doctor and it's when a lot of my friends were really encouraging me they were like you need to go get a sleep study you need to get diagnosed blah 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 blah. and it was another year until I went to the doctor from then oh wow because you were afraid Yes, because it wasn't, I didn't think it was bad enough that I had to go to a doctor. And then I, um, what happened was, I'll remember it, it was, I was working the Tony Awards one year, not at the Tonys, but in my office, like a group of us were there doing coverage of the event. And someone made a funny, we were making fun of it the whole time because it was the Tonys and it's pretty easy to make fun of. Yeah. Um, and so, and some of the dudes I work with were there just being hilarious. And so I got up, it was a commercial break. I got up and we started to walk out to use the restroom and someone was like still making a joke and it was so funny. And I remember fall, laughing and my knees gave out and my whole body collapsed on the floor. And thank God people didn't see me because I I find like a lot of shame in both my narcolepsy and cataplexy. I find it incredibly embarrassing. Um, And I fell over and it was in my office. And I remember calling a a few people and texting a few people and crying in the bathroom and being like, yeah, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. So um, that's so scary. Then I went to that's when I went back to, or that's when I went to the doctor, I think for the first time. Oh yeah. Okay. I was just trying to think of like the doctors I saw because of the insurances I had. And I was like, I wouldn't have had that insurance if I was working there, but I did. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So did you end a up, year after that? Did you end up doing the, the sleep studies yeah. that the, the PST and the MSLT, that's what they say they use to diagnose. Yeah. I did a sleep study. Narcolepsy. Okay. So you like stay in the lab for a night, yeah, right? Yeah, I stayed over for a night. And did they diagnose it right away? Yeah. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm. They were like, but I do, I should just say like as a disclaimer for other people who m- might listen who are, suffer from like, there's levels and degrees of narcolepsy and not to say that mine is not de- uncomfortable and annoying. Um, there are people who are very, very, very sick and like cannot 
function really in a real way at all. Right. So I'm like a pretty high functioning narcoleptic, but, um, so I am on like the lower spectrum of, and they diagnose that right away too. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, um, interrupts your life more actually the narcolepsy or the cataplexy? Um, I honestly, I think it, it's different depending on what I'm going through. I have found like an, a, a very intense emotional connection to the symptoms, I guess, for me at least. It's it's very um, emotionally ingrained in my body. So it depends on what I'm going through that makes it... Um, Heightens one or yeah, the other. Yeah, exactly. What's so interesting about cataplexy is that it comes on... Um, with high emotion. Right. So with like laughter, surprise, anger, that's when you, and what is, and the definition of like what cataplexy is exactly. Yeah. Just uh, people probably don't know. Is, um, is the, can you, do you know how to exactly describe it? I don't have it here. You don't have the exact definition. Yeah. I don't have the exact definition. Oh yes, I do. But it's weakening of uh, muscles when you feel strong emotions. That's yeah, like, so that's the that's symptom so- of it. But basically, so I would go a little bit further, and my neurologist has described it to me as um, that actually, in, so with the way that he described the cataplexy to me is, okay, so narcolepsy, you're falling in, you skip different cycles of sleep is what happens in both situations. So if for narcolepsy, you're just like awake, and then like you're suddenly in this other state of too deep sleep. With cataplexy, you're also wake sleeping, wake sleeping, but you're rapidly cycling like through awake and asleep. So when you see me, like that's literally my brain falling asleep every like two seconds. Oh, wow. That's what my my neurologist told me. And he said, um, it's like, and what's so hard and why I become paralyzed. It's not really, sorry, I just used air quotes on a podcast, but it's like, (laughs) it's not actually paralysis. It's you're falling asleep. But if you think about it, which is what he was describing is like in your dreams, right? If you dream that you're flying, you don't actually get up and fly. So also sleepwalking is a part of narcolepsy. There's a lot of different like sleep disorders that can be fallen under it. And like, if you have a sleepwalking problem, like you should go and get, see a sleep medicine doctor and figure out all those kinds of things. I've slept walk recently. Oh, really? I have like a scar on my back to prove it. (gasps) Oh no. Yeah. It's not safe. Right. So it's like, and the idea is there's certain ways your brain is designed. And again, I'm sorry, I'm not like a neurologist. I can't speak to like the specific medical stuff about it, but there's ways it's designed where like you can dream that you're getting up and running a marathon or flying off of a cliff and you're just actually laying in bed. But when the wires cross, and particularly if I'm sitting up in this chair trying to have a podcast with you and I fall asleep, but I'm awake every other second, I know, like, don't drop the microphone, like, call out to Jack, but I can't. So I'm like aware, my brain is still working and I can hear you and I can see you, but I can't do anything. Wow. And it's because I'm falling asleep, not because of anything else. Right. Wow. And for me, I found, and like with a therapist I used to work with, he also observed in our sessions that like when I get really, like the emotions that come on really strong, then you fall asleep in order to like your body to cope with overwhelming emotions falls asleep. And it's literally like a defense mechanism. It's like a, and his whole POV on it, my, this therapist was that it was all psychosomatic. 
Right. Well, it is sounds like, like trauma. Right. I mean, so it's a lot. It? Yeah. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's super ingrained with that stuff. And what's so interesting about it too, is that it's like my narcolepsy is much more triggered by like, I would say depressive feelings, but the cataplexy is like kind of, I think it's like this weird, beautiful metaphor in a way that like, they're all the same. All those emotions are the same. And it's like, I think, did you two tell me this once or maybe somebody else? Well, it was like, you feel, you feel a certain way. You feel nervous. It's like, are you excited or are you anxious or are you this? It's like, you can kind of choose what you want to make that feeling be. And so does that make sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, it, all it is, is it's like an intense, overwhelming sure, feeling sure. of emotion, but my body reacts the same way to joy yeah. as it does to fear. Right. That it's intense. My body reacts the same way. Right. Because I have cataplectic episode when I'm in intense joy or intense fear. Not like always intense joy, but like laughing, you know, right? laughter. Sure. Wow. That's so interesting. So what are some of the things that you have to do on a daily basis or what are some of the things that have helped you when, when you get diagnosed with narcolepsy, do they immediately prescribe something? Yeah. So the only treatments that I have been, uh, exposed to, uh, the only treatments I've been offered are uh, prescription drugs. And there's a lot of different kinds. And um, and what are they supposed to help comforting. keep you awake? Well, it depends. So they treat it differently. They treat them separately. So the cataplexy is treated with an SRNI type of antidepressant, but not, an, not like an SSRI. It's a different one really specifically targeted to that. And I did get a lot of relief on, with, from cataplexy by taking that. It's called, the one I took was called the Fexer. Um, and just a super low dosage and it really helped just kind of like take the edge off the cataplexy. Um, but again, not a cure. Right. And then I've been prescribed Provigil for my narcolepsy, which I don't take. Uh, I've never taken, I've never even filled the prescription, but. Is that to keep you awake? That's to keep you awake. That's a stimulant. Uh, that doesn't sound like fun. I just, I just haven't ever filled it. I just, and you know, the. Yeah. I mean, but this is such an important point. Like you have to do what resonates for you. Right. 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 Like everyone suggests I take CBD oil and I'm like, that just doesn't resonate. It doesn't resonate. So that doesn't resonate for you. Yeah. And And he's, he's advised me and he's like, look, it's like, it's non addictive. It's non this way. It's just this way. And it's like, it just feels weird to me that like, if it's, it's also weird to me because it's like, if I'm very anxious, my cataplexy is worse. Right. My anxiety is very much connected to that. So I try to, I'm trying to like take it down a level all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. calm it down, calm it down. It's like, I don't feel like I need to be jacked up on stimulants all day long. No, neither do I. I I couldn't imagine I'm just not sure. But then again, of course, like people who take it, it's like you have to, like I went on the effector because I felt like I had to. Did it, are you still on it? It really helped. No, no. And why did you get off of it? Because I think, I, because I think that for me, for me, for me, and I want to have disclaimers on all this because it's like people have different Everything we talk about okay. is always personal experience right, right. and course. we're not doctors. and Right. But like, I have just come to have a lot of more revelations about my Th- disorder and I've been, I don't even know what to call it. I guess it's a disorder, uh, illness. Um, 
And then I, th- I think there's such a strong emotional connection for me that I need to have, I need to be a little bit, I need to be available for that so I can like, really, I've, I've, I think I can like heal myself from it. That's what I've come to find. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think you can too. I mean, that doesn't mean that I think narcolepsy is in the head. I'm not right. saying, no, no, no. I'm certainly I not don't think that. so either, but I do, I think there's, yeah. I mean, I've been doing lots of types of like spiritual meditative kind of work on it and I think for me that may be uh, at least a helpful outlet, if not the answer. 100%. And there's plenty of people who do heal themselves Mm -hmm. with different things. And and it doesn't, if you don't go that route, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make you bad or wrong. No, it's just what's resonating for me right now. It's just about what resonates for you Mm -hmm. and what works for you. And there are many different ways to try to get well. And for me, I had to use a whole, a whole toolbox Mm -hmm. of them. But you talk about meditation and our... Um, our weekly challenge last week was meditation, was uh, intense meditation, but I know that that's something that's really resonating for you right now in your treatment. So tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing on a daily basis. Well, daily, I have just come to find that I need to find a way to relax my like mind, body, spirit in all ways. Like the more relaxed I am, the better because it makes my cataplexy better and it helps me sleep soundly. Um, and so I've been baths every single day, a hot bath, as hot as I can stand it. Depends. I take different types. I do like mugwort tea baths. I do this Ocotillo bark bath. I do like a really intense salt bath, sometimes just like straight up water and oil. Love it. And I just literally put like, sometimes I get in there and like, just want quiet and my brain relaxes. And sometimes I can't relax my brain and my body just needs to like the joints and the, cause I, you, you hold so much tension in your body when you suffer from cataplexy. Cause you're just constantly trying to not, you're trying to overcome it, you know? Right. And then like you're holding so much stuff. So by the end of the day, it's like, sometimes I just have to get in there. It's like put my iPad next to the, the, the tub and just like make myself sit and stay, you know? And I do that. I try to do that every day. Have you ever gone to a float lab? That's no. A- no, I would. I feel like it would give me a panic attack. That's what some people say. So float labs are like sensory deprivation um, tanks, basically. Yeah, I get, I'm very claustrophobic. Okay, well, I I have never felt so relaxed in my life because yeah. I have such sensitivity to yeah. light and sound and etc. But I love I love baths too, and I turn the lights off, light a candle, like quiet, 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 as dark as I can get mm-hmm. it as as quiet as I can get it, um, as hot as I can get it. So I kind of love that for the weekly challenge. Take a bath every day. Cause well, I do have to, because I do it every day. And because for me, it's like a medical prescription. It's not just like my time of luxury. It's like, I have to do it every day. Yeah. And it's like the days I don't, I know I feel it. Right. No, I mean, maybe like four days or three days for people, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, other people have to do it. No, yeah. For me, though, I have to do it. You have to do it every day. So you, that's your challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's for me. But you guys can take it. And I'll take a few. I think taking (laughs) baths, you know, that's a really, really good. um, You got to stay in it for at least 20 minutes. mm, That's hard. That's hard. But that's the thing. You don't have to meditate the whole time. Sometimes I literally put my iPad next to the tub and watch three episodes of Bob's Burgers and three and yeah then it's 60 minutes in the tub oh my god 
Yeah. If my brain is like running on overdrive, good. then you just got to sit and stay because I'm not going to sit and stay anywhere. Now, let me ask you, though, does that not that never brings on narcolepsy that never makes you fall asleep? Not not off. Um, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So, I mean, I guess some people probably it wouldn't be great for them to take baths. It's probably maybe dangerous for certain narcoleptics, but however, if you fall asleep and slip into the water, your body is going to wake you up. Right. I mean, right, right, right. So where, as long as you're not like on Xanax or drunk or something, I, you'll yeah, wake up. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Please don't take Xanax yeah, before yeah. you get into a bath um, yeah, <laughs> or do it drunk. Um, what about other, other like daily things you need to do? You were saying when you got here that you need the sunshine. That's a yeah. big part of your kind of, what are your well, natural remedies? What do you see healing you? Yeah. So basically I just try to treat it at this point as like narcolepsy equals depression and cataplexy equals anxiety. Mm. And so I just am trying to, to treat and work on both those things every single day to what I can. Um, and yeah, for my depression, I mean, I'm super seasonal affect. It's insane. Um, yeah, I need to be, I mean, I live out here in California after being like grew up on the East coast, but I live out here because of the sunshine and I like go to the beach every single week when there is, um, when it's nice, when it's warm out here, it's been really cold and rainy the past like month yeah, off and on, but it's fine. It's winter. Um, and yeah, laying in the sun just for a little bit. Cause I get burned, but I need that hot, warm sun. It's like not only the vitamin D, which is so good for you emotionally and physically, but it's, um, the sunshine itself is like, feels like a warm, like loving, comforting blanket. And like the experience of lay- laying on a beach is quite meditative and calming for me. So all of those together it's like doesn't it feel like a hug it feels like like a hug from the fucking spirit of the universe exactly exactly so it's like so important for me and when I don't do that every week I start to notice it too and I would go every day if I right if you could yeah if that were my circumstances what are your other daily things do you I I read some somewhere that it's like drinking enough water is a really big deal water has become like a huge part of my life I know it sounds wild but it's like and I was always like a I always tried to keep track of how much water I was consuming or whatever, but now it's like I just guzzle it down as if it's like the gift of like the youth fountain of the gods. Like it feels so good all the time. And yeah. And all of these things are like really simple. Well, they're simple, but they're also great for, they're like the number one suggestions I give to anyone who comes to me with illness. So it's like, get sun, sit outside. Are you drinking water? Drink lemon water, you know, take a bath, calm down, meditate. Like these aren't narcolepsy specific, but but it's amazing that they do really help. Do you take any supplements that help or? I'm currently not on supplements, um, but I work with but I have a lot of friends who are like herbologists of different types and I'm gonna start experimenting with some herbs again um I used to be on a lot of supplements I'm not sure if they helped right well if you're in a place that is cold and stormy definitely take vitamin d right oh yeah well um, I take a daily vitamin but right I also read that 5-HTP can be really helpful. Yeah, I took that once. I went through one bottle of that. So it maybe wasn't enough to like... Determine. Because it's just like 30 days. It may not have been enough. But yeah, I've heard about that. How about limiting caffeine? No. So here's what's so funny. Oh, yeah. Is that my 
literally my neurologist, I went and saw him a few weeks ago and he was really pushing Provigil on me like hard. And he's a brilliant man. And the first doctor who ever made me feel like comforted and heard and what's and his name? Can we, oh, I don't know it off. It's, it's like oh. really long. It's hard. I'm also a little bit narc, uh, dyslexic and it's really hard for me to read. Okay. But we'll, we'll put it, we'll put in, it the, in the show notes. Okay. Um, I don't want to butcher it. Um, he, uh, he told me, he was like, yeah, he told me to get caffeinated gum. He told me that, and so that it's like if I'm going into a meeting at work or whatever, you just pop a piece of caffeine gum in and it goes straight into your bloodstream and it'll definitely keep you awake for the next like hour and a half of your meeting or whatever. Examples like that. He said that caffeine is actually really important. Wow. And that it's actually really good because it's the best kind of stimulant that you could, it's like a better kind of stimulant that you could be on. And, and... Yeah, I have a theory about that with nicotine, too. Oh, because you're smoking. Well, yes, but I every time I stop, so the last time I tried to stop, um, my anxiety and cataplexy was so severe that it was was so severe. I had a panic attack that I had not experienced in, like, so long. And my doctor was saying that nicotine is good because it keeps you awake. And it also, the act of smoking calms you down. So it's this like weird twofold tool that is like actually like perfectly prescriptive for the narcoleptic. That's so strange because cigarette nicotine actually is a stressor, right? So it's a stimulant. Right. So it wakes you up. It wakes you up. But but it's weird that when you got off of them, it made the cataplexy worse. When cataplexy is, Mm -hmm. you relate to anxiety. Well, because I used smoking as a tool to treat my anxiety so basically what I'm gonna do is like basically it was like I was going cold turkey and so I just I know that I can stop and I definitely need to and I'm not saying that smoking is good for you by any means but for me it's been like a way that I've self-medicated for this and I'm ready to not be smoking anymore but I definitely need to um wean myself off nicotine and or stay on nicotine for the foreseeable future Right. Interesting. Yeah, because it really helps me. It weirdly keeps me awake and calms me down at the same time. Great. So then yeah. that works for you. I mean, obviously, like if you can do it in gum form or whatever, it's it is better because we're definitely not here. We're not pro-smoking here. <laughs> not pro-smoking. It's really bad. <laughs> but tell me, you brought up work. So something I really, really wanted to talk about is how you manage work with narcolepsy, how you self-advocate <laughs> at work, how, what you need, what your needs are at work. Um, I know I was there when you, I wasn't there, but you talked to me when you talked to your boss about having it. So will you tell us a little bit about what it's like at work and how you manage that? Uh, Yeah. So it's, as I was saying before, like, it's, I'm just like, I find it to be a very embarrassing situation, which I'm sure a lot of people are embarrassed of like their illnesses or whatever. But this one is like, it's bad. It makes me look like I'm like nodding out. Like on drugs, like I literally had. So I've been spoken to now by two bosses. I've ch- I switched manage managers when I got promoted a few years ago at work. But um, the first person that I worked for there had to pull me aside once, and he like sat me down in an office, and he was not as nice about it. And he was like, "You know how it looks, though, right? Like you know what you look like." <gasps> and I was like, "Yes, like I'm fully aware." I'm fully aware of how it looks. 
Um, and he wasn't very nice about it. Yeah, and then when I switched funny. management, I just assumed that him and or HR would have like told my new boss who did, but they never did. And so basically I guess what was happening is like once in a while I would nod out on my desk, never for long periods of time, but yeah, it's what happens with narcolepsy. So that would happen once in a while. And, uh, people were complaining to my boss about me. Um, I still don't know who those people are and I would love to know. <laughs> I'd just love to know. Um, but they would, they would report him, me to him. And so eventually he like came and spoke to me again and he was like, he rolled me into an office and he was like really mad. And he was like, or he had seen it a little bit in a meeting that we were in. And he like pulled me into his office after and he was like, don't fall asleep in meetings. Like what's wrong with you? And I was like, are you serious? Like, because at this point my company had known for like a year and a half. Right. And I was like, I have narcolepsy. And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, it's like, a, it's like bad. Like what? Like no one told you. And it was like very weird and wasn't very, I didn't, I don't know. It wasn't the greatest experience. It was super uncomfortable and weird, but he's been like very supportive of anything I need. Basically. I basically get to come and go like not come and go, but like I get to go to doctor's appointments, like no questions asked. I get to like, um, the other day I was I, the other day I had a really bad episode in a, in a big meeting. And, um, afterwards I left work. I was very, I was feeling really, really sick. So I left work and he was really nice about it. He was like, just expense an Uber. Like, don't drive yourself home. Like go home, take care of yourself. Yeah. But then he also hit me up at 10 PM that night and I was working until 1230 AM. So, uh, so what do you ask for? Like, how do you advocate for yourself at work? I don't. My boss, my doctor uh, said that he would like for me to get, he, he wants, my neurologist said that he'll provide um, like a note to my boss that says I have to be able to take nap. I have to be a provided a space to take a nap every day. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't let him do that. I don't know. I don't, I try. Yeah. I Are don't you know. afraid? I... Or is it the embarrassment? It's, I, it's not even that. It, maybe it's linked to the embarrassment. It's just, I just hate having to let anybody know any of my business. I yeah. hate that. That's really what it's about. It's an Annie thing. And I guess maybe that's the embarrassment side. Cause maybe it's, I don't know where that comes from, but I hate that. I just don't. Look, I don't like getting any, any, um, any amendments at work. Like I don't like getting, mm. getting anything. I don't like asking for anything. I don't like getting anything. Mm. I know I need to and I do, but like, it's super hard. Yeah. I just want to be like absolutely normal. Well, I was thinking recently about asking, uh, to be able to work from home one day a week. That's smart. Because as I was, we were kind of talking before the podcast too, is that like the, the, the lights of my office have become to become like I found them to be very um, uncomfortable and like making me, they make me really anxious. Fluorescent lights. Fluorescent lights. Yeah. yeah. It says that fluorescent lights can really trigger episodes. Yeah. It's really bad. It's really bad. And I sit under fluorescent lights for eight hours a day. Right. So it's not good. Um, and then just like the stress of like just the, being in an office environment and knowing that everybody's looking at me when they walk literally by my I'm sit, I sit right on the walkway that everybody walks by. So when I fall asleep, 
everybody sees. Mm. Yeah, that's really hard. So how do you comfort yourself? Like, how do you, how do you make it okay that you like have compassion for yourself and love yourself? And well, I have compassion for myself. That's the weird part. I definitely have compassion for myself. Um, was it hard to get there with the, with the, I, uh, well, I think that that was coming about in other ways in my life rather and not necessarily through my narcolepsy. So that like by the time this became more debilitating, I was already kind of like had a lot of self-compassion. Like, yeah, so that's, that's an okay part, but, um, you know, most times it's just by like doing what I feel like I need to do in order to take care of myself. But then, yeah, I mean, when I, when I lose track or sight of that, you know, by being overworked or by like, just my mom always says burning the candle at both ends, Mm -hmm. you know, if I find myself like losing a grip on that, uh, routine, I, uh, I suffer for it. And yeah, you know, sometimes I'm very, sometimes I get very frustrated with having it and like a lot of anger about my narcolepsy sometimes well sure um which I feel like expressing that like just to myself in a safe way is a form of of comfort as well that's such a great point for me too I think it's really important when you have anger and frustration around being sick or or self-pity quote-unquote self-pity like any of that stuff it is important to explore it it is important to feel it Mm -hmm. to let it out to Mm -hmm. let it be what it is and then like for me something I do is I set a timer it's like okay I get to feel this way for 20 minutes yeah yeah you know like I get to express it however I need to I get to like sit in a ball and cry or whatever Mm -hmm. it is for 20 minutes and then like move on (laughs) yeah yeah and so I I definitely had like a lot of really extreme emotions in reaction to like the episode I had at work the other day for example just because it's so like heightened for me you know it's like I want to I try I work so hard in my career and I work so hard to like be so professional like particularly like a woman in the workforce and like being powerful and strong and really good at what I do I um it just is so frustrating to have the to then display myself to such to a large group of colleagues in such an unprofessional way do you know what I mean so it's so it's like uh, so it's like I would I left work that day like very upset just but not at myself, like not being like, you're weak and horrible. Like that's not a conversation I ever have, but it's like, uh, you know, yeah. it's the, yeah. This Man. sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, yeah. It's like, no matter what I do, like here I am. Right. So, um, yeah. And then yeah. what did you do after that? I went home, I fell asleep immediately. I talked to, talked to a couple friends who like made me, who comforted me. Um, that's I, such a good I thing. I fell asleep. I think I slept like it was like in the afternoon. I went to sleep, slept for a few hours, and I woke up and I had to work to do so. Right. I just worked from bed. But you talked to a couple friends and you got the comfort and you shared with them how you felt. Yeah. I think that that is the 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 biggest thing. Like, mm-hmm. don't isolate when you feel that way. Like, fucking mm-hmm. share it with somebody mm-hmm. and say how pissed off you are, and mm-hmm. like then go to sleep. Then go take care of yourself. Yeah. I even reached out to one of my coworkers and was like, who I'm like whatever we have like a a working relationship and I was like okay on a scale of one to ten like how bad was that and she was like don't even worry like she was also really nice about it and so that was helpful too because I was really nervous about like 
just what people would think. Yeah. And it's like, go where the love is. Like, yeah. don't reach out to a coworker that you know is going to be a dick to you in that right. moment. Like, right. reach out to somebody who's going to be kind. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Annie, for all of that and for all of that good information. And I'm so grateful to know you and love you. Uh, guys, um, if you like this episode, please uh, uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It's available on any of your podcasting platforms. And go follow me on Instagram at Jackie to get some updates on bath taking. Oh. Um, yeah, that's where I update everybody. <laughs> and I love you and thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much, Annie, for all of that great information. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys.